0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACARS supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show
1: description to support now. Hi, Sean from Philly Boots here with a very special edition of the Philly Boots Rugby Roundtable. As you know, this week the RFU announced their return to rugby roadmap, which begins on March the 29th. I hope you're all excited. And over the last few days, you've been sending a load of great questions and really good queries to to Philly Boots. And instead of me answering them, because I don't have a clue, uh, today I spoke to Head of Rugby Development at the RFU, Steve Granger, uh, and put them all to him. Um, First of all, I want to let you know about uh, some new friends that we've got at Philly Boots and the Philly Boots Rugby Roundtable, and that's Mindset Sport. Mindset Sport is a new free wellbeing resource aimed at local grassroots sports clubs like, like all of you. Uh, It's completely free and it's there to help coaches, players, parents and clubs assist the wellbeing of their members. Resources cover a range of subjects from the physical and mental health to financial and relationship support. They are here to help you signpost to get people the right information and the right help that they need. The aim is to normalise the conversations around mental health, LGBTQI+, and ED and eye awareness in local sports clubs and give local clubs and coaches the tools they need to look after their players and members on and off the pitch. For more information, head to bit.ly slash Mindset Sport. That's bit.ly slash Mindset Sport for all the information you need on Mindset Sport. Now let's get to my chat, Receive Granger. Hi, Steve. Welcome back to uh, Affiliate Roots. Thanks for uh, giving up some time today to talk about the roadmap. No problem at all, Sean. Good to uh, good to see you again, and thanks
0: for uh, thanks for having us on.
1: Oh, absolute pleasure. Um, over the last few days, we've asked people to um, send in some questions about the new uh, roadmap, um, and we've got we've got uh, loads as uh, as we'll go through. But um, Steve, just talk us through the. Getting to this point now, uh, yeah, we've been here three or four times over the last 12 months. Uh, how difficult was uh, this time round? I think it's, uh, yeah, you're
0: right. We have been here a few times, haven't we, in terms of uh, optimism and then pessimism. I It feels this time that the difference is that clearly government have laid out a very clear roadmap. Um, I think the challenge previously has been everyone in sport and indeed in society has had to respond to individual uh, announcements and decisions. The great thing this time is there's clearly a laid out roadmap. Um, some of the dates maybe are indicative, but at least it allows us then to plan our activity against against that. Um, and I think that the timing for us seems to work well because what it's doing is it's giving us a, a graduated return back to some sort of play uh, enabling us to do some activity over the summer, but really importantly, um, gives us real optimism that we'll be able to start the 21-22 season, both in age-grade rugby and in adult rugby, in um, in September as normal.
1: Um, so, can we safely say that the 2020-2021 season is is dead? Yeah, I mean, we we did that
0: before Christmas. We announced that the the 2021 competitive season. Anyway, that clearly no. doesn't mean that rugby can't still be played. And I know there's lots of people out there um, excited about getting the boots back on and 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 getting back into some uh, meaningful rugby uh, before before next season. Uh, but in terms of any sort of league matches, any promotion, relegation, that sort of stuff, that was. Uh, that was uh, cancelled a long
1: time ago. Good. So, um, as I said, yeah, we we asked uh, the public for their questions um, on this roadmap. Uh, so we're, we're going to try and sort of battle through as many as we can over the next few minutes, uh, and hopefully people will get the answers that they're looking for. Um, Steve has agreed to come and do another live one in in a few weeks' time when we know a bit more from government uh, about other other uh, pieces. Uh, and as we get closer to the return. Uh, so, why has there been a uh, switch from this roadmap after the previous roadmap to this roadmap um, when sort of the lockdown measures are sort of fairly similar um, than they were you know, 12 months ago? So,
0: so what uh, we, we've just been in, in a position really where we've reacted and responded to what government have said that you are going to be able to do at different stages. So clearly we know that as of now, any uh, age-grade players that are back in schools and colleges, if their schools and colleges are offering rugby activity, then they they can participate. For everybody else, uh, it fits really neatly with the 29th of March when government have been very clear that organised outdoor team sport can come back. So that was, we are a, an organised outdoor team sport. So we tick that box. The discussion that we then had was about the the type of activity that that should be. And we were advised that we could go back to the position that we were at in December. So when we came out of the the November lockdown, so 15 aside, contact rugby, just excluding the Scrum and Mall. We've then put our own deadline on of the 26th of April, uh, giving ourselves four weeks really of contact training. A lot of players, both age grade and adult, who've been out of the game now for a, a prolonged period of time. And we think the right thing to do is allow four weeks of of training before then we, we break into matches, hopefully, uh, if players and clubs want to do so from the 26th of April.
1: Was there any thought to not doing anything at all? Once the government announced that they the sort of coming out of lockdown, was there any thought of coming doing nothing at all for until sort of the regular pre-season would start in sort of June or July? I, I think um,
0: I think that would have been a very unpopular decision amongst players and and clubs, and th- there's no real rationale or need to. I mean, at end of March, you've still got even in a normal um, competitive playing season, you've still got a month of age grade rugby and two months of of adult rugby, and we saw absolutely no reason to prevent people from from taking part, um, and also from a, a sort of sport retention point of view, we, we, it's really important we have to watch what other sports are doing, and it was very clear that other outdoor team sports would be coming back, um, and um, you know we don't want to be losing players to uh, okay, um... other sports uh, or indeed uh, cricket as a summer
1: sport. No, for sure, for sure. Uh, so on um, retention of players, it's uh, these questions are sort of aimed at the age grade. We had a lot of people asking questions about age grade rugby uh, because I believe you announced that um, under seven, uh, 17-year-olds couldn't go up to go and play senior rugby. They've got to wait an extra year. What was the rationale behind that? Um, and does it restrict, um, especially clubs, smaller clubs that might have an influx of 17-year-olds and they're not allowed to play them?
0: Well, I mean, inevitably, with with anything you bring in like this, there are going to be a few people who may lose out as a result of it. But we have to be cognizant that, um, you know, when somebody reaches their 17th birthday normally, they can apply for a a dispensation. So you, you could be in a position where somebody turns 17 in September this year and they won't have actually played any meaningful rugby for over 18 months. And the last time that they will have played that meaningful rugby, they'll have been in under 15. So in reality, they're only in their their second full season of, of 15-a-side rugby. And all of a sudden, we're gonna put them up against against adults. And we felt that from a, um, a player safety and a player welfare perspective, we should uh, give those um, seventeen-year-olds a little bit, a little bit longer. So it's not a full season. Um, we're just saying that for the first uh, four months, so through to the end of December, they should play their continued age-grade rugby, and then in January um, they are able to apply for those dispensations. And uh, if that dispensation is granted, they can they can play the adult game.
1: One of the questions we had on the dispensations was those with current dispensations are they allowed to continue playing senior rugby or do they have still have to wait so the the the
0: the dispensations this this is for set this is for 17 year olds in uh september in september next season so Mm -hmm. if you're a you know if you're a current um if you've if you've been playing bearing in mind that there's been no contact rugby really to speak of for the last year or so, you know, and I think we, we have to stay true here to what we're trying to do. We're trying to give people a graduated return to play. We're in this for the long game. Um, you know, rugby's not going to stop in the next six months. If certain players aren't allowed to play for certain clubs, the really important thing is that those players are still playing our game in three, four, five, six years
1: time. So what are they allowed to do? What are age grade players allowed to do this summer? Um, are there any restrictions on training session lengths, limits of pitches and so on? So so normally what would happen is age-grade players, the
0: age-grade game would as good as stop as we know at the beginning of May, um, after the first May bank holiday weekend. We'd already extended that season through to the end of May. So assuming that um, all of the government roadmap stages are reached and assuming that we then follow on, age grade players will be able to play some matches during may um then what will happen at the end of may is that matches will cease and and that's normal over the the summer period but what we will do this summer is we've suspended the existing regulation that stops activity and we will be enabling um non-contact match play to take place along with contact training so clubs will be free to do some catch-up work with particularly the younger age-grade players that might have missed missed out on on activity. Um, but we're also very conscious that some clubs won't be able to do activity. They're, some clubs ground share with cricket clubs. Um, some clubs will have young players who quite understandably and rightly play cricket in the in the summer. So that's really the reason why we've then kept those young players in their current age bands from september through to december so if you were a if you're an under 10 at the moment and you would be moving up to be an under 11 in september of course you'll still move up to be an under 11 but you'll play under 10 rules through until christmas and the simple reason for that is some of those players just will not have had the opportunity yet to acquire and develop the skills that they need to to play um, safe, enjoyable rugby at that at that stage. So again, for one season only, we need to um, make sure we've got a really good, clear transition in place.
1: It's not really a season, is it? It's three months. Is it three months? Uh, yeah, it's... Um, for, yeah, so so, so, so they'll,
0: it, they'll do that from September through to the end of December and then they'll pick up as normal um, and, and play catch-up from January onwards.
1: Is there a risk... And uh, this is a question that's come in. Is there a risk to clubs um, of losing the, this generation of, of age-grade players to, to other sports, such as cricket or, or football, as you've mentioned?
0: I mean, I, I don't think that the that, that there's always a risk of losing players when they've had a layout from any sort of sport or any sort of activity. I certainly don't think that these um, uh, uh, regulation changes will enhance that. I think, actually, they'll they'll mitigate against that. Um, because I, I just think we can't lose sight of the fact that um, players, many of these mini and junior players, have had the best part of 18 months out of the game, and it will be spanning across three seasons. So I think it's, it's, it's our best chance of retaining them if we bring them back into the sport at a level that they're comfortable at. You know, the danger is you you allow it to go on and and the top 20% of players who acquire skills quickly, develop skills quickly, are quick learners. They're fine with that, but it's all those behind it that you then lose as a, as a result of
1: it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Totally makes sense. Totally makes sense. Uh, So moving on to uh, playing and, uh, and training, um, Will there be restrictions? Uh, and these are all questions that have come in, by the way. Uh, will there be restrictions by county for arranging fixtures and players co- uh, travelling to training? Or is it just purely aligned to the government restrictions, um, providing that, that we can travel between counties and regions?
0: Yeah, so, so as the RFU,
1: we, we won't be putting any
0: restrictions into place on travel. We will have to clearly follow whatever governments say. So over the next few weeks, between now and the 29th of March, government will start to publish a whole host of additional guidance for all of us in our normal life, as as well as in sport. And we anticipate that that will include um, guidance on travel, guidance on use of changing rooms, clubhouse spaces, um, sort of off-field protocols, spectators, all of the sort of things that go around the the on-field play, and, and we, we, will, we will have to follow those and we'll want to follow those. Um, but at the moment, we're led to believe that, you know, we're not going to have the same level of restriction on travel, uh, you know, tiered areas and all that sort of stuff that we had before before Christmas, which, which clearly makes it a lot simpler for, uh, for people in the sport. Yeah.
1: Definitely, definitely. Um, on training, uh, previously there was a simple 5 minute
0: maximum session time is that opt? i mean we, we our strong suggestion is that you shouldn't really need to and probably don't need to train for much longer than than that anyway there's a huge amount of activity well planned no. that you can get in session that long um in fact, many players would be saying please not as long as that and i think the other thing the other thing we've got to be really conscious of is um, we, we'll be training in a period where we wouldn't normally train where the weather's likely to be warmer, um, grounds likely to be harder. Um, uh, you know, the need for sort of the need for hydration is, is going to be important. Um, so you know, just because we've been out for a while, let, let's focus on quality, I would suggest, rather than quantity get people's general fitness back up, get their skill acquisition back. Um, what's what, what the worst thing that could happen here is people go full out and then halfway through next season, um, players are picking soft tissue injuries up that wouldn't normally pick soft tissue injuries up. Players have just had enough of the training load. Um, really important that we graduate people back in and then you know, all of us focus on having the best possible season that we can in 21
1: 22. Uh, sort of on that there was a question came in um has the RFU considered a two week imposed rest period in late august before the new season begins to avoid burnout for players or coaches.
0: Yeah, I mean we we we're, we're looking at the moment and it's unlikely that we'll mandate anything like that because it's it's sort of it's very difficult actually to to police, what we will do is we'll be producing, you know, guidance that's suggesting players need to have appropriate rest at the appropriate period. I mean, you know, no, no point mandating a, a, a deliberate two-week layoff if some players haven't been able to get back into training until August because, you know, their clubs, for example, ground share with a cricket club. I think what we've got to do here is we've got to try and. Um, put together a framework that makes sense to people and then let sensible players and coaches and club volunteers about making, really making their own judgments. Um, and, and clearly if players have had the full 10, 12 week programme over the summer, you would want to get, I would hope that any you know, decent coach would be saying we want to give them a bit of a break period before we now engage in the in the league programme.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, we'll, con- we'll contact training, which we know is going to be maximum of 20 minutes at this stage. Is that going to stay in bubbles of six or is that free- uh, a free fall? So, again, there's no, the, the the bubbles of six was
0: because government had the rule of six. Um, again, our understanding, but until the, the government guidance comes out ahead of the 29th of March, we won't know. But our understanding is that that, that doesn't apply which is why on our new roadmap we see steps B and C sort of disappear. Yeah, why was that? Well, because step step B is was was groups of um, was groups of six, and then stage C was activity within the club, and neither of those stages are necessary to go back to go back to those. Now again, if clubs want to do that, you, you know, we're trying to get we are saying we can go from A to D1. D1 is um, non-contact training and ready for rugby matches against other clubs. We're at A now. We can go to D1 on the 29th of March, and then we can go to D2, which is match play on the 26th of April. Now, if clubs want to graduate that themselves, and if a club wants to go back to stage B for a few weeks and just do groups of six or groups of eight or groups of 10, makes total sense. If they then want to graduate to some ready for rugby activity the old stage c inside the club again makes sense they can but what we're not doing is
1: we're not imposing that on people across the board yeah that sounds fair enough um uh, another one sort of on on that sort of same line um do this do the same distancing hands uh, and equipment sanitization routines carry on so social distancing
0: off the pitch, again, will be, it'll depend what government says as we, as we move to the 29th of March. You know, we don't yet know, um, we don't know what's going to be recommended there. We anticipate social distancing will be encouraged for a, for a while. And it, you know, it seems to make sense, doesn't it? That Everything we know about this virus is that's how it's spread. So let's keep the distance until vaccination programmes fulfilled. Um, hand sanitising, um, equipment sanitising and things like that, same applies. This is just, this is the new world that we're living in for a while. So n- no reason to just suddenly stop stop doing that. We need to keep the importance of everything
1: that we've got used to there going for a, a while longer. Just back on the, on the virus uh, and sort of going back to the roadmap and government, I guess. Um, were you surprised how quickly rugby was allowed to restart? And it was announced and then you had two weeks to sort of put this all together or was it it was done and you were just waiting for the green light no I, th- I think um you know we were we
0: were there and we were able to respond and in the background we were obviously having conversations with other team sports and and people we we fought quite um a, a hard um lobby to try and make sure that outdoor team sport was was part of that announcement we feel that the the benefits of getting groups of people back together in an outdoor space, doing some meaningful, organised physical activity, both the physical activity benefits and the mental health benefits of that are so, so significant um, that we we felt the argument was compelling. um, And hence, you you know, you're always you're always slightly surprised when something appears in an announcement because you never know until it comes out. Um, but no, we were delighted to, to hear it in the announcement. And then clearly we wanted, as we did throughout the last year, you know you know the amount of campaigning we tried to do to try and get rugby back. Um, and and we, we pretty much picked up where we, where we left off.
1: No, it's great news. Uh, another, another question that we've got is, uh, when could a club, play an inter-club game with, their, with the new adapted laws?
0: So 26th of April is the date for that. So the 29th, assuming we hit, you know, government hit the 29th of March, which fingers crossed, touch wood, everything else we will do. Um, 26th of April is the earliest we could do that. And again, we would be encouraging clubs only to play those matches on the 26th of April if their players are ready and want to do so. And secondly, if they've had a um, a, a run of, you know, a run of training up, uh, up to that to get them uh, physically and mentally prepared again.
1: Um, when, uh, will the adaptive rules be the same as they were at the back end of the year or is... Absolutely. Is yeah
0: No, absolutely the same. So um, we're basically returning to the position that we were at that, uh, that famous 24 hour period at the start of December when we'd all got so excited about having matches again and some matches on the Friday night, matches on the Saturday afternoon, and then- um, The rug was pulled. All, all the restrictions back again. So we, yeah, we're back to that. So adapted laws with no scrum and no more.
1: Lovely. Um, so I've got, I've just got a, uh, a few more. Um, uh, last year, you, uh, the RFU requested data uh, in lockdown one and lockdown two on positive tests within rugby clubs. Were there any numbers, results showing um, any levels of transmission during those sort of training sessions? No, I mean, the, the, the data we were
0: trying to track was just to see what the what the sort of incidence level across the board was. As, as you, you, I'm sure, are all aware with, with COVID, you can't literally tell where somebody's pick, picked it up. So, you know, you can't pin that back. And there's a study came out a few weeks ago that was largely driven by rugby league, but that rugby union took part in largely again. um, Well, exclusively focused on the professional game, because that's all that's been back that shows actually that the on-field transmission risk was very low. Now it's important that you don't lift that into a general population because you're talking about probably less than a thousand players as opposed to a hundred thousand plus players out in the out in the community game, but all the insight we have is that if people observed the correct protocols, both on field and off field, that they played to the new adapted laws in training, and that they did do it didn't do anything daft around changing rooms and travel and everything else, that the you know the transmission risk was was very 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 low.
1: Uh, yeah. Um I think that study came out over the weekend, didn't it? And the NFL were part of that and a few other team sports and it came out pretty much yep. nil. But which is which is do you take encouragement from that note to, even though it was at a professional level, do you take encouragement that you know, even though this study was of as you, as you said, thousands of people rather than hundreds of thousands of people?
0: Yeah, I mean clearly, clearly the, the big difference is with professional players. They are. They're contracted. They're being tested regularly. They're. This is their profession, by and large. Um, although we, you know, we've got the Allianz Premier Fifteens, where we was a different ball game, and they're not all professional. They're working as well. But by and large, a lot of these players are. Um, they're not quite in a bubble, but they're not far off being in a bubble. You know, they're not having to go and work on a factory floor or in a shop or on a building site or teaching a school or whatever it, you know, whatever it might be, where you're in an indoor environment and maybe are more likely to pick the virus, the virus up. So I think it's, you know, the the two cohorts are very different, Um, but uh, we would take, yeah, we take real encouragement from the fact that if you're outside, side and you abide by all the protocols and everything should be should be fine
1: good uh you mentioned this earlier have uh, got i've got four questions left so we'll uh i'll just rattle through them um the showers uh being used at the clubs is, is there any information on that yet no so we again we, we we wait to hear on that from
0: government uh before the 29th of march um we uh again we we're, we're, we're lobbying hard for changing facilities to be to be opened up i I would think that there'll be some sort of um, gradual opening of those sorts of facilities, whether they'll open on the 29th of March, who knows, but I, I certainly don't think that the minute any activities back will just be back to, you know, big team huddles inside in a changing room.
1: Um,
0: <laughs> this is, this is just about people using common sense. Uh, and let's be honest, um, you know whilst we do get a wet season often in april it's it's nothing like the sort of deluges that come in november december january so you know again touchwood we can uh, we can cope with that
1: no for sure uh, that was one actually one of one of the next questions but so we've uh, we've answered that one um this is uh, this is a really interesting one um which i didn't know about but i want you to answer if you can uh the RFU insurance normally finishes on the 1st of may um, if, if clubs are going to be playing over the summer, is, is there any way of that being extended? Or is it, or is it 1st of May to start uh, 2nd of May?
0: So, so our RFU insurance is year-round. Um, okay. Basically, the insurance is only valid when the structured season takes place. So for, for mini and junior players, normally their season would end on the 1st of May. Right. Okay. Uh, If you engage, if you choose to engage in activity outside of the RFU structured season, um, it's 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 a pro. You know, it's it's a bit like choosing to drive a car at ninety miles an hour. Your insurance company are probably going to have something to say about it. (laughs) Um, For this season, uh, people will be able to follow the um, you know the new framework of activity across the summer. And again, as long as everybody does as the Regulations say that there will be they will be properly insured.
1: Lovely, um, and I, I guess finally, um, this season's obviously going to be ended. Can people look forward to? Well, realistically, look forward to a full season starting in September.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you, you you should never say never, should you? At the moment, but <laughs> I certainly am. Um, I'm certainly looking forward to a. Um, you know, a new season kicking in 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 September. I think we're all wise enough after the last year that we've had to realise that things can change very quickly. Yeah. Um, you know, I I hesitate to say it, but I, you know, I really hope we don't go back into another position next next winter. But clearly, if if the virus does kick back in, if government do decide to impose restrictions again or take advice, we'll we'll have to react. Accordingly, but in the meantime, it's um, you know, planning wise, scenario wise, it's it's full steam ahead to do everything we can to at least get a normal season kicking off in
1: September. Lovely, I cannot wait, and I bet you can't wait either for this all to be out, to get out and see some desperate to get out and see some rugby again. <laughs> I can't wait to put the boots back on in a, in a few weeks' time, even if it is just for a little run around uh steve thank you so much for your time uh, once again uh it's a real pleasure um i know everyone that watches these and listens to these um get so much more insight than uh reading it out of a out of a press release or out of a, a website um it, it puts some real meat onto the bone so i really appreciate your time no problem at all thanks as ever sean take care cheers lovely I really want to thank Steve for giving up his time this afternoon to answer all of your questions. Uh, I really hope that you've got all the answers that you need to your questions and your queries. Uh, as I said, Steve, will be back in a couple of weeks' time uh, once we get some more information from government and the RFU send out some more information. He's going to come back and do a live Q&A with you all. Um, so we look forward to that and we'll send out more details once that, once that is all arranged. Uh, and thank you again to Mindset Sport for supporting our show today. Uh, it's great to have them on board. And for all the information on Mindset Sport, please visit uh, bit.ly/mindsetsport. And don't forget to like us. Uh, don't forget to like us on Facebook, at facebook.com/fybrugby, uh, and Twitter and Instagram as well at FYB underscore rugby. Thank you all for watching and listening. Uh, I've been Sean Feeling and you've been watching the Philly Boots Rugby Roundtable.